Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, academic, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I hold space for women and non-binary individuals to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for being here today and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Christina. Dr. Christina Fontana, aka the pharmacist coach, is a pharmacist, holistic healer, rapid transformation business coach, speaker, and five-time author. Wow, that's a lot of books. Congratulations. (laughs) She helps spiritually driven women to reignite your light and shine in your brilliance, confidence, and true essence. She started her entrepreneurial journey 11 years ago, being disempowered, homelessness, broke, and with an eating disorders, PTSD, and anxiety, and has since transformed, turning her pain into purpose, empowering women all over the world to step into more purpose, power, and prosperity. Over the last 11 years, Dr. Christina has been providing uplifting transformational content through her YouTube videos, books, courses, programs, and conferences. Her mission is to empower more healers and business owners to unlock their innate gifts to create a domino effect of healing on the world. Woo! Welcome to the podcast. That is a pretty good bio. I don't know, like, uh, yeah, when when you read it, it's like not, I'm not trying, I'm just like, wow, you know. No, I know. It is pretty like amazing, but it's, it's all like, I'm humbly saying that because God is good. Like that's all I'm going to say of like, but the way you read it was so good. (laughs) It's I, when uh, people read, because I've been on podcasts and stuff before, I don't actively search them because it's just like, I do enough podcasts, but every once in a while, somebody will ask me to come on and I will, I'm like, okay. And then they read my bio and I'm like, whoa, who is that person? Right. (laughs) Yeah. What a great way to start my Thursday. (laughs) I know, right? Yes, we're definitely, we're recording on a Thursday, which is like the end of the week. You know, you're like, the weekend is right there. You're just just ready for it. Um, It's my, when we're recording this, which this won't air for like another, over another month, but when we're recording this, this is right after the new year and my kids just went back to school and we're getting back into that routine of like, oh, okay. Yeah. We got to get up early in the morning. We got to get everybody on the bus, all of those things. So it's, it's been a, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You have four kids. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, my oldest is an adult. She's 20. Um, I was a teen mom. I was, I had to preface that because people are like, you don't look old enough to have a 20 year old. And I'm like, no, I'm I'm not. (laughs) I was a teenager when she was born. Um, and then I have ones that are preteen teen years. So, um, yeah, so it's quite a jump between the two of them. So only, only a couple of them do I have to worry about getting on the bus now. Cause one's old enough, but yeah, four. Woo. That's a lot. Oh yeah. I'm going to come tea for all the tips. <laughs> I'm eight months pregnant. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll do my best. I, I, they, they don't, they've read all these books, but I'm like, there's no like one manual that tells you what to do. 
there's like there's like 20,000 of them and you're like I know I still I don't know what I'm doing half the time but I'm yep. learning along the way um so we're not here to talk about me we're here to talk about you <laughs> um I'd love for you to share your story with us you said in your bio you had some struggles you had some real shit that you went through um to bring you to where you are today so start us wherever you think is an important place to start yeah. So it's interesting because my, my mom's just sent me, you know, I'm having a child. My mom is sending me all these old pictures of me as like a two-year-old, three-year-old. And so I guess I'm drawn back to that time period in my life. And, um, just growing up in a very strict household. My dad is a pharmacist, um, hard worker, you know, very critical and uh, was really hard on us growing up. And so I grew up in a very controlling environment. And I just look at this little girl in this in this picture. And I'm like, Oh, my God, you were so innocent before all of this Mm -hmm. happened. And, you know, I've healed through so much of it, because I as a result of, you know, growing up in this very chaotic environment. Both my parents came from trauma backgrounds. Mm -hmm. My mom grew up with an alcoholic dad, my dad had an abusive father physically, verbally. So they were just doing the best that they could. I see that now. Um, and I, I know that it can be triggering to hear some of these things when you're not, when you haven't processed through some of the trauma. So I want to just hold space for people who are listening to that too. Like maybe you're like, Oh, but like, you know, you're getting that charge when you hear that. But, um, I want to be sensitive to that too, because it did take some time. I I get it. Mm So anyway, starting, you know, kind of in that like very chaotic, uh, controlling, physically, mentally, verbally abusive household that I grew up in um, was a lot. And I was always very highly sensitive and felt everybody's energy. I'm an empath and I was shamed for having those emotions as a child. So I grew up believing I had this unconscious identity of being a victim. So Mm getting abused at home, getting bullied at school, um, taking on all this energy. And as a result, I I remember being maybe six years old and I had stomach aches. My parents were like, just go to school. Like, Mm -hmm. it's fine. Just suppress, suppress, suppress. So I did that for my entire childhood. And I can remember, you know, in high school, I came down with mono and I started to diet and started like, I had, I, I didn't have an appetite and I was like, oh, like I'm, you know, I'm losing weight. And, you know, that's how the, the teenage brain works. And it's like, right. oh, I'm, I'm thin now, thin, thinner, you know, I was never overweight, but um, that's really where it started. A lot of this trauma manifested physically for me and my body at it as first an eating disorder. There was a lot of people pleasing patterns that came from that trauma. I was always trying to be, you know, good and perfect and get good grades and all of that. And I was a high achiever. That's how I got love mm-hmm. and, and affection. So, you know, I went to pharmacy school. I knew I wanted to help people, you know, and followed in my dad's footsteps because again, like that's acceptable and that's safe. Right. And then uh, right around the time of my graduation, I knew that I wanted to do something else other than, you know, my dad wanted me to take over that pharmacy. And I knew at that point that it wasn't a healthy environment to stay in that I would be kind of like stuck there Mm -hmm. if I graduated and then was like, Oh yeah, I'll take this over. Um, and so it was actually the first time that I felt this higher power 
come into my my heart and say I, I call it God, God, source, spirit, whatever you believe. But it was like this, this strong feeling. And I heard the words like, you need to leave. You need to go do mm-hmm. something else. You're meant for more. And it was so overwhelming and it was so strong. And I was like, I'm terrified because I knew again, like I'm staying in the box. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do my entire life. And now I'm going to be like, Hey, by the way, I want to go off on, on my own and do something different. So being like, I kind of prefaced it with this, you know, my dad was just very controlling a lot of fear. They wanted, I think my parents just wanted to keep me safe, you know, mm-hmm. in that their way, that's how they were doing. It was through control, um, to protect me. And so when I told my parents this, I'm like, Hey, I want to go pursue a residency. It's another year after pharmacy school, you get paid really badly, but you're yeah. training. Right. So um, they flipped out. Like they were just really, uh, you know, disappointed. They were like, you're betraying us. How could you? Because it was the first time in my life that I'd really spoken up for what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I was so suppressed for my entire life. And so I was like, okay, I hear you. But I'm still going to go do this thing. And it was terrifying because I was living in this house. I was, I was living at home. I was 23 at the time. And I had to be around like walking on eggshells, imagine like the people you live with hate you essentially. So that's what it right. was like for me. So I was on Xanax at the time because I couldn't sleep. And then I had another eating disorder. It was called bin- night eating syndrome. It's like a binge eating disorder. Um, it's pretty rare. Like if you look it up, I think it's only like three to 4% of people have it. It's, it's a self-destructive pattern that um, actually led me to the work that that I'm doing now. So I was struggling with this eating disorder. There's all this chaos again, like repeat of my childhood. I'm, you know, walking on eggshells. And when I finally got this residency, like I worked my ass off to get this residency. Like I had never been on a real job interview. Um, there was like a lot of these different steps that you had to do to, to get this, you know, and, and only I think 13 out of the 200 people I graduated with got this, like got a wow. residency. So it's, it's kind of, it's difficult. So I was like all excited. I'm like, yay, it's my key to freedom. And that next day, my parents, my mom was like, you better come get all your stuff because we're throwing you out of the house. So I, yeah, so I got that text and I'm like, oh God. Okay. So I, um, I had to pack all my stuff up. Like I got home and there was just all of my clothes and coats and shoes and everything that I had in my room, literally thrown out onto the lawn. And I was just kind of like in shock thinking, what am I going to do now? I have no place to live. I have a tiny Mazda three car. How am I going to fit all this stuff in there? Like you just, your brain goes into survival mode. And I think in that moment though, too, there was this underlying, I always tell this part of it because there was so much fear and terror, but there was like this underlying piece of I know everything's going to be okay. And I know I'm going to tell this story someday. And so that's why I tell people the beginning, because that's really where all of this started. It was my, my kind of rock bottom, but also a way for God to rebuild me into the person that I am today, because I am, I was so disempowered. I was, you know, hard on myself. I had so much trauma that was unresolved that my life was so unworkable. And so 
since that time, I always call it like the breadcrumb trail. God was like, okay, here's this mentor. Here's this book. Here's this podcast. Like I just kind of followed that down that path. And I stepped out in faith and that's really, I know we're not here to talk about business, but that's how I've built my business is through this co-creation of like, I always say God is my CEO because I listen and I'm, and he's like, Oh, like I'll feel it in my body. Like that's the coach you should be hiring. And I just, I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's go. Like, even though it's scary, I step into faith and that's how I've been able to, um, you know, like get all these certifications. Like now I do hypnosis and energy work and like all these different modalities to help people heal. Because again, I came from that story of, literally um i had a guy slash my tires that year that i got wow. yeah it was like really just narcissistic ex-fiance um like the eating disorder like there was just so much i think because i had so much guilt and shame that you know guilt seeks punishment so unconsciously you know you're punishing yourself through these different or i was punishing myself through these different um you know abusing my body being being attracted to abusive partners, all mm-hmm. of that. And so I I wanted to start there here. And thank you for giving me the space to um kind of go into a little bit more detail about it because I think that so many people don't realize how their trauma is showing up in mm-hmm. in their life, in their business, in whatever that might be. And so my message is that there is absolutely hope and healing, no matter how dark it seems in your life right now, or what you're moving through. Maybe it's not an eating disorder. Maybe it's not homelessness. It could be something else. I want to be that spark of light for people to know that there is hope. Yeah. Wow. So I have a question about the eating disorder. Is this the disorder where you eat in your sleep? Yes. Yes. That's interesting. Like, yes. how did you know? I just, I know this isn't like yes. the focus of it, but I'm like, this is no, so fascinating. Okay. I've, I've yeah. seen it one time on a TV show. That's why I was like, is that what that yeah. is? So it's essentially, it's a cyclical behavior. So like during the day, you know, I was eating really healthy, like salads and all that stuff. And then at night, it's almost like you can't control, you know, like I woke up several times a night. And I would just like binge on like pizza and, and all these really like on, you know, not that pizza's unhealthy, but like fatty, like dense, rich things, because I had this very black and white perfectionistic way of seeing food. And we all know it's deeper than that. It's not about the food. It's about the comfort, the feeling it gives you. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was truly like, I had to go through like a, like essentially a 12 step program because it's a food addiction really is what it is. So, but yeah, I, oh my God. And for years I couldn't even talk about it, you know, because it's such a shameful thing of like, oh my God, I do this thing. And, you know, um, so from 18 years old to 25, I had this, this, you know, kind of vicious cycle of, you know, a very debilitating, like so much shit. Cause then you wake up the next day and you're like, Oh my God, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. And then you're beating yourself up and it's just this continuous cycle. Um, so it led me down the path of doing some of this work that I do now. So, like I said about, you know, hypnosis and subconscious programming and, um, inner child work and all of these different mm-hmm. things that have helped me 
to heal, to, to break that cycle. Cause I, I said to God, I'm like, if you heal me from this and help me through this, like I will dedicate my life to helping other people, maybe not in the same way. Like I said, not everybody I work with has an eating disorder, but mm-hmm. some it, it's self-sabotage, right? A lot yeah. of it is is rooted in the guilt and shame that we hold on to from past experiences. And so it's, it's really deep transformation work. So, um, but yeah, I'm happy to answer any questions that you have. Yeah. <laughs> I I, about uh, it. Well, I never did the binge nighttime binge eating, but I did, I, I had two different issues that I I've had at two different points in my life. And one, being binge eating. I yes. like, I, I don't know if it was disorder level, but I would binge eat to deal with feelings, right? That right. was exactly what it was. It was attached to feelings and things I had been through and I would binge eat for that comfort and right. to, to make myself feel better. Um, and then another time my therapist thinks I had orthorexia, yeah. which is like where you're like working out excessively and you're eating like uber healthy. And it's like a, it's obsession. It's obsession is problematic. And I was so, I was so skinny and it was actually like really concerning to everyone around me. And I, I one time cried at a birthday party because they didn't have anything healthy for me to eat there. Like it was intense. Um, and my therapist is like, I, because I didn't have a therapist at that point in time, but later on when I was sharing with my therapist about it, she was like, yeah, I think, I think that's what was going on there, but all again, control and dealing with feelings and things like that. Right. Yes. And it makes so much sense. Um, especially, you know, when you, when you have so much trauma and it's unresolved and there's all of these things that, you know, like you've had abuse maybe, or in, in whatever way, or maybe it's your own inner self-critic that comes through with these different patterns of, like I said, black and white thinking like, oh, either it's this or this, um, the control patterns of like wanting to stay safe. It's all, it all makes sense because it's your body trying to survive. And so the biggest medicine that helped me was actually self-compassion because in those moments when you're binging and you're, there's so much shame, there's so much guilt and it's the opposite of what you think is going to help you, but it actually uh, helps propel you into the healing journey. So it's counter to, it's like, oh, well, if I'm too nice to myself, then I'm going to let myself slip. Or like, that's the rationale that I thought I'm like, oh no, but like, I have to be like hard on myself. Right. But it's actually the medicine that you need to help lift some of that judgment, the criticism, the not enough, the unworthiness, all of that. Yeah. Mine was definitely trauma, like associated, right. It's taken so many years to work through all of that. Like it's, like slowly chipping away. It doesn't happen overnight. People don't realize that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's as corny as it sounds, you know, love is the greatest greatest elixir for healing. And that self-love is really what helps to, um, you know, be with those inner parts of you that experience the trauma, like attuning with, I do some nervous system work, Cause that's really where, you know, your body's holding on mm-hmm. to these cellular memories of whatever has happened and your body goes into fight, flight, freeze shutdown is like when, you know, when you talk about 
numbing through food, that's shut down because your body is going through, you know, there's so much going on. Um, like I always talk about, think of a computer. There's so many tabs open that it's like, I need to just shut down. And mm-hmm. so we do that through these numbing mechanisms or whether it's like keeping busy or, um, overeating or binging because it's just too much. And so again, it all makes sense. And it's that level of compassion and, um, you know, really doing some of that deeper inner healing work that can help lift, um, some of these self-destructive patterns off. Right. So what happened with you being homeless? How did you get through that? Shoving all your stuff in your car? Oh my God. I have a picture of it. What (laughs) happened? I have a picture of it. Are we doing video? Yeah, but they, they won't see it. Yeah. They don't see it. I'll send it to you. Um, but so, yeah, I was essentially in survival mode because I was about to graduate pharmacy school. I had to start this residency. I had no place to live and I had no job because my dad obviously like fired me from the the pharmacy at that time. So I went into survival mode. The next day I got up, I got a job. I looked for an apartment, did all those very logistic thing, logistical things, but there was so much trauma from that experience that I, you know, I, I don't think I had a therapist or, or any kind of support at that time. So it was really challenging to, um, you know, like try to focus. Cause once I started this residency, all of my patterns came out even more because it was even more pressure on my body. Mm-hmm. So it was really difficult. But, um, yeah, I just kind of like put my head down and I had to take my board exams. I don't know how the hell I passed these exams. (laughs) Like I did somehow. Um, so, but I lived in survival mode for a long time after that. And then eventually, like I said, was led to different healers. Um, I took, I'm actually a health coach too. I went through Institute for Integrated Nutrition, um, and was just led to all these different healing modalities that I've now honed, um, and, and now help other people with. So yeah, the short answer is it took a while. And then to even repair, you know, the relationship with my parents, there was so much to go into that. So, but, um, you know, 12 years later, cause I, it was 2000, 2012, you know, where I, I, they live in long Island. I live here. So I think the distance is kind of nice too. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but yeah, everything's okay now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause I was wondering that because you mentioned your mom sending you these pictures and I was like, well, how, how did you, how did you heal that relationship? How did that even happen? Because that was, that's pretty tra- I mean, obviously what you described growing up was really traumatic, but to like literally throw your daughter out of the house and throw all of her shit on the lawn, like, wow. Like, how do you even like heal that? So I went to, uh, it's called landmark education. Um, my friend, one of my friends was like, you need to go to this. Cause like, you know, I was having all these really unhealthy relationships. I mentioned that before. And he was like, just go, like, I think it would really help you. So it was a weekend long seminar. And I remember going, there's like a hundred people in the room, you know, everybody's there. It's like a personal development seminar, essentially. And I went up to the front of the room and started crying. And I was like, you know, I got kicked out and da, 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 da. And the coach was like, well, have you forgiven your parents? And I was like, 
yes. And he goes, have you forgiven yourself? And I just like started like, no, like I haven't. And so I think it was a breakthrough. Um, he called me out too. He was like, you, you know, you have this victim mentality, like having a coach or somebody kind of, I needed a little bit of that tough love to be like, to call me out of this. Cause it's so unconscious, you know, that yeah. I, I didn't even realize that until I went to this seminar at whatever, 25 years old. And so he had me actually call my parents. And I said, I take ownership of everything, like of my part of it, because I think I was doing like a lot of blaming, which obviously, you know, like I, I could have stayed stuck in that and been like, oh, like, look what they did and, you know, whatever. And right. But that's not going to serve me, mm-hmm. you know, it, and I think so many of us hold on to these things and it's like, oh, but, you know, the resentment and the all of that. And it's so toxic that not that I'm forgiving what they did. It's more for myself. I know everybody's probably heard that. So I came to eventually realize like they're operating from fear. They're operating from their own trauma that is unresolved. And so I need to take my power back. And that's the work that I do now with people is empowerment. How can we release some of the shame, the guilt, um, you know, some of these attachments to the past that are literally dragging you back to these old patterns, the old identity of who you are really the work that I do is empowerment and freedom uh, helping people access more freedom of who they really are shining the light of, of who God made you to be, which is empowered, um, being a, being a light for other people in your life. Because when you start to do this work, it creates a domino effect in the world, just like what you read in the, in my bio. And I think that, um, that's the biggest gift that I've gotten from, from all of the trauma. And I know that, you know, I was meant to go through that in order to be who I am today. So. Yeah. So working with your clients and and looking at your own life, where would you say um, the difference between being able to have a relationship with somebody who I guess in, in your parents' ca- case that there's some trauma attached to and saying like, we can't, like that is, that is not like the relationship is not possible. Yes. Like where, what, what do you that. think the difference is? Yeah. I, Cause I have that with my brother. Yeah. Okay. I, I, because the reason is because there's, there were still active abuse happening verbally. Right. So when you love yourself, there are certain behaviors you don't tolerate. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've tried, you know, multiple times to have a, a relationship with my brother and I just can't for mm-hmm. right now. I, I I'm open to revisiting it. It's sad, but you know, if you're getting physically, verbally, emotionally abused, you have every right to set a boundary to say, um, they call it, what is it? Gray rocking oh. or like, um, it's kind of like a, like or if you do have contact with them, like, okay, like say you look at a gray rock, right? There's not much to talk about. <laughs> so like if they start to say whatever, you neutralize the topic and make it like more uh, like uh, there's a way to like take the charge out of whatever they're saying. Uh, you'll have to look it up, but it's called gray yeah. rock. It's like, it's a technique that you can use to um, kind of like neutralize charged situations with people that trigger you. 
Um, you can set boundaries. You can do so many different things. You can go no contact. I mean, there's, mm. there's no right or wrong. And obviously like talk to your therapist or coach um, about your situation and what works best for you. But I think there's just certain things that I don't tolerate anymore um, with abuse. It, it's just right. like, no, I'm not going to do it. So once you've found your self-worth, I feel like that's a point where you're like, I am no longer going to accept the abuse that's going on. Um, so I asked the question because I don't have a relationship with my mom um, because she is very abusive with me. And despite bringing up her behavior and pointing out how like how um, hurtful it is and and asking her, I asked her like, please get therapy. Like, please go talk to somebody because you have a lot of trauma and you have a lot of things going on. And, and that's coming out. She told me she wished I was never born because I ruined her life. Like some serious stuff that she needs to work through and she's refused. And I said, I won't have a relationship with you unless you can work on yourself and heal yourself because having that constant abuse, I feel like sometimes it does require the other person to do some work in order to be able to make the relationship work. Um, so that's why I was asking is like what your opinion on that was, because yep. um, I've had guests on and mentioned, I don't have a relationship with their mom or with my mom. And they're like, no, you need to. And I'm like, you have no idea what I am going through. Like, and so I wanted to, to know your opinion on that. Well, first of all, I want to just attune with you in this moment and just say, I, can't even imagine what that must have felt like to hear those words and just like I feel like like a deflated (laughs) sinking like in in your energy when like you know that's like your existence so that I just want to say that that you don't deserve that that you know she's in a lot of pain Mm-hmm. and you know it's it's so hard in those moments to not take it personally and to because it feels so personal but you are right. not the you are not the target of of that that is her own mm-hmm. pain her own trauma and so what i'm what i'm feeling guided to share because maybe somebody else who's listening to this is in a similar situation the best you can do is pray for them pray for that mm-hmm. person that god moves in within their spirit to seek out help or to apologize or to you know and and that might never happen like my dad love him to death. He's not abusive to me anymore, but he's like an old 70 year old dude. Like he's not going to change. He's not going to go to like a, a personal development seminar. And so there's, there's a bit of grief in that too. Like I've talked to yeah. my, like my coaches about that. And it's like, there's so much, there's so many layers to work through. And at the same time, I want to encourage you and anybody else listening that like, you don't have to let that dictate who you are, how you love yourself mm-hmm. and how, you know, you can like reparent yourself and attune with other, co- other people to bring that love back because that's really who you are. You are love. So I don't yeah. know. Felt guided to share that. <laughs> I feel like if I hadn't worked on myself, I would have, ke- I would have kept um, allowing that behavior into my life, it would have continued the cycle. Like, um, but the work I've done in therapy and everything on myself, it allowed me to stand up to her and say like this, this behavior is not, 
I'm not, if, if you continue this behavior, I'm not going to have a relationship with you. And that was my boundary is like, this is what I'm going to do if you continue it. Um, right. But it, if I hadn't done the work and I still have work to do, but if I hadn't done the work I, I did, there's no way I would have stood up to her and there's no way I would have said this is enough. I would have kept, kept accepting that abuse from her. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it's so important that we as individuals, like you're saying, do that work on ourselves because otherwise we will keep like accepting the like really toxic behavior that's coming into our lives. Like you said, you were attracting all these men into your life that were really negative yeah. and toxic. Exactly. Because it's like, oh, this is familiar. I'm used to getting treated like a Pitch, you know, like I can laugh at it now because I'm just like, it, it's, you know, it's so ridiculous how, like how strong the subconscious mind is and it's a muscle. Like I can honestly say I still struggle like with some of these, you know, self-worth, like I'm such an overgiver in my business. I'm like, well, I want to help. And like, what can I do? And like, right. sometimes those codependent patterns bleed through. And so, like you said, it's a constant work. There are different layers to it. Um, but when you break through, I feel like there are certain breakthroughs that you have that it's like something shifts. And then, like you said, you can kind of like stand up to somebody or reclaim your power or say, you know what, I'm setting this boundary. And it's just, it allows more of your true essence to shine through. Like I always show this, um, this little diamond here, like this is how we're born. We're born pure with all of our gifts with, um, you know, everything that, that makes us who we are. And then it's like, Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I have abuse. I have mm -hmm. all these different things that cover up that light. So I always, you know, call like my first book was called revealing your inner radiance because it was that journey of going through uncovering a lot of these, you know, beliefs and moving through a lot of that trauma. So I believe everybody has that diamond within them to again, be a beacon of light for other people to, you know, like even you, you're, you're helping people through this podcast, right? Like you are being a yeah. light, a beacon for other people. And I'm getting chills as I'm saying that, like, <laughs> I want, cause I want to acknowledge you too. You know, the work that you're doing is so important. So yeah. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Cause I, this is the seventh season of this podcast and wow. I have put, yeah, I have put <laughs> so much blood, sweat, and tears into it. And so yeah. anytime somebody's like, I appreciate what you're doing, or I love the podcast, I'm like, thank you. Cause that gives a little validation that what I'm doing makes a difference versus yes. like, am I just talking to myself? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was, I, I'm that, that was what was on my heart to share with you. So I mean it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I um I can see on the back end that people are actually listening, but I'm like, is it impactful? Is it yes. like, making a difference? Because I think stories, the whole premise is I think stories are super powerful. We can learn yep. from each other and and be inspired. And I'm a stigma researcher. Like it helps reduce stigma by sharing these stories, by you sharing about your eating disorder. It helps destigmatize in a way what you went through and your experiences. Yep. yep, absolutely. Well, and that's what drew me to to the podcast is like it's very um inclusive. You know, I think that's really beautiful. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm like, yes. She's, she's blushing. <laughs> I, I feel, I, I feel, I feel good about myself right now. Um, yay. <laughs> yay. Uh, so as we wrap up the podcast today, I would love to know um, what you would like to leave the inspired women audience with whatever you feel um, and like whatever you feel in your heart is a good a good place to wrap this all up. I know it's so hard. It's the hardest question of the entire podcast. Yeah, I would just like, again, go back to what I shared about a minute ago with that diamond, right? Like realizing that no matter what's happened to you and no matter what abuse or bullying or past experiences or sh- things that you're ashamed of, that nothing can ever take away that essence of who you mm-hmm. are. So I want you to just picture that, you know, and I, I I know this isn't on video, but like picturing that diamond of your true essence of who God source spirit made you to be and realize that you are unshakable and that you can always come back to those pieces of yourself and reclaim the parts of your soul that were lost through these negative experiences that you can absolutely heal. So yeah. I love that because um, a lot of times with the things we've been through, we could feel pretty lost, right? We can feel like maybe there's or broken or like that there's no hope. And it's good to have someone to tell you like there is hope, right? Look, look what I've been through and I was able to get through it. You can get through it too. Like I um, have shared on the podcast before I have bipolar disorder and sometimes it's helpful to hear other people. Like when I'm in a depression or something like that, to hear other people who have bipolar disorder say like, you can get through this. Remember that you've been through this before. And um, you know, I, I find I find it helpful to have people tell me that there is, there's hope out there. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you for, for being so vulnerable and sharing with, with all of us as well, because it's helping other people. Yeah, I have, um, I have upcoming, I've been asked to be on this, um, podcast, the bipolar girl podcast. Um, the host has been, one of the hosts has been on the podcast, my podcast multiple times. And, um, I, I just, I feel like when I share a little bit about my story, that it's helpful. And that's why I, I really like to hold space for other women to share their stories. Cause I feel like even if you can't relate personally, cause you've never been there, you can glean something out of it. Right. Absolutely. I had a therapist tell me once, she's like, I, I think you're bipolar. And I'm like, I just experienced this traumatic event and like some days I'm good and some days I'm not like it, it was. Yeah. So I can, not that I, I have that, but I can relate to certain pieces. I'm sure of what, you know, you'll be sharing about. Cause it's, yeah, it's traumatic, whatever we go through. And sometimes it takes a while to heal through. Absolutely. Well, Christina, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to staying connected with you too. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating or review. Follow us on social media at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, The Inspired Women Podcast.